Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, you're already this. See you guys on tech. I am Eagle Falcon. Against my better judgment, I decided that this bonus episode is going to be recorded in front of our Twitch audience. So they're all getting freebies today. But this also does give me the benefit of not having to procrastinate. Because unfortunately, my real life schedule is quite hectic. And also, there's a lot of content that actually ended up on the chopping block today. For example, do you know that Fortnite is back on iOS? It's true! After their great, amazing battle, Epic Games finally won out. Fortnite is back on the iOS platform. By bypassing the entire app store and going into a service like GeForce Now so you can pray, play it on your Safari web browser. But it's there! We did it! <laughs> it's back on the app store. Just as all intended. All I can do is just shake my head. Come on, man. Just. Just wow. That being said, though, I do have to ask. Who are the people that really want to play Fortnite on their phones? Like, even on the desktop space, Fortnite has just kind of... Slipped under the public surface. Like most people aren't really talking about Fortnite anymore. So I mean like, yay? It's back? On a web browser, I guess? I don't know, I mean, I guess good for them. Someone in chat says all the kids are talking about Raid Shadow Legends. And for all the... I mean, Raid Shadow Legends is not a great game. Let's get that right. But you know what Raid Shadow Legends is doing correctly? Their advertising is... They are doing everything right, and I hate it. You want to know McDonald's how it got so big? It's because frickin' over half their budget goes back into advertising. And that's what Raid's doing. It's just massive underline massive amounts of advertising money being thrown back into the game i mean heck we even when i started up my stream today even i had an offer to go ahead and do sponsored content for raid shadow legends 
I could do it right now. Guess what? I'm not going to because I value my credibility at more than $150. Speaking of other games that make you kind of just wonder what the heck is going on, Battlefield 2042. So I'll admit, the state of Battlefield 2042 kind of slipped under my radar. Because at first it just sounded like, oh, hey, look, it's another AAA game that had a rocky launch and then just, and then got patched and a whole bunch of people complained about it. Like hearing people complain about a AAA game at launch has become so common that I just assumed it was just minor stuff that was being overblown. Apparently it's not. Apparently it's really, really bad. How bad? Well, it's so bad. Even the cheat sellers are having a bad time with it. A lot of kind of underground services that sell you software like aimbots are saying for those people who subscribed for the Battlefield 2042 cheats and aimbots, we will allow those people to cancel their subscriptions and instead apply that towards any other game. We are having too much, too many problems trying to get our cheating software to work with Battlefield 40, 2042. It's that broken. And also, there's just not enough people on the game. So, good news. EA solved cheating. We did it, everyone. They've done it. EA has single-handedly solved cheating. All you gotta do is just make sure your game is absolute hot garbage. And lo and behold, the cheaters vanish. Bravo. Bravo, they did it. They did it, it's incredible. Amazing. Simply amazing. So does this mean that the cheating problem in World of Warcraft will be fixed as soon as they break the game some more? Actually, for that fact, I do wonder what will happen. What do you think will happen first in World of Warcraft? Will they have the game take a radically different turn first? Or will the botters actually leave? Keep in mind right now, the big money-making scheme for Blizzard with World of Warcraft involves the WoW tokens. 
for those who don't know, I've explained this in the past, but in World of Warcraft, you can get, you can buy something called a WoW token. For $40, you get an in-game item that when used, adds 30 days of playtime to your play clock. This is $5 more than it is for the normal, or oh wait, no, is it $20? I can't remember what it is now. But basically for slightly more money than the normal subscription time, I don't have the numbers in front of me, so don't blame me if I have the numbers completely wrong. You get a token that redeems game time. You can also sell that token on a special section of the auction house for in-game money to other players. So, someone else in the game has to buy your WoW token, redeem it for, and then redeem it for in-game money, and then or, or, um, or redeem it for in-game time, and then you collect a large sum of in-game money. Now, this amount of in-game money is regulated by Blizzard per realm. So it's not a free market. It is a manipulated market. Now, normally in any other game, this would be handled fine. Because in the end, Money is exchanging hands from one player to another. And all is well in the world, right? The thing is that right now, speaking of cheating, WoW has a massive bot problem. Bots are automatically doing various automated grinds for in-game money. Whether it be selling very valuable items on the auction house or just collecting garbage selling that garbage for gold, but then using that gold to buy the WoW token to then keep the bot going basically for free. And then of course, once you have that, just, just run the bots as long as you have computers that can run it. And World of Warcraft has no desire to do anything about this bot problem because it continues the sales of the WoW token. World of Warcraft basically indirectly turned every single auction house item in the game into a cash shop item, thanks to the WoW token. But only as long as the automated bots continue to go ahead and, con and operate buying those WoW tokens and also, in the end, on their side hustle, sell their own, any extra in-game gold on their own site as kind of, a, kind of an underground black market. What do you think would happen first? The player base gets so low that the bots just leave as well and thus 
ending the giant money train that is the WoW token? Or World of Warcraft actually fixing its game? Tough call. I think I just went on too long explaining this whole question for anyone who really cares. So let's just move on instead. Mario Kart 9 is apparently in development and will have a new twist. I, I, I have a question. When was the last time that Mario Kart had a had a new feature? I'm seriously asking. When was the last time we actually saw a brand new feature out of Mario Kart? And no, I don't consider the Wiimote or a new style of controller a new feature. I mean like an actual new development within the game that isn't a new track or new characters. Like Mario Kart for the most part, you know what actually Mario Kart is? And maybe I'm wrong. Mario Kart is Madden. Oh no, never mind. Mario Kart 7 had the gliders. No, you're right. Never mind. All right. I withdraw my statement. We we actually do get new features here and there. My apologies to Mario Kart. So basically this went from ooh, a new feature to wait. Don't they do that every time? And apparently the answer is yes. Yes, they do. So my apologies. So in the, I think here's the bigger, the bigger shocker in this. Do you know when the last Mario Kart was? I knew it was a while, but I didn't realize Mario Kart 8 was in 2014. Wow. Someone in chat says the new feature is a crossover with the Fast and Fur Furious franchise family speaking of the gaming world how about a uh, how about a wholesome gaming story January 13th marked the end of the online Halo 3 servers now I've talked about this in the past about how I wish more and more games would include LAN features so that when online servers do get shut down, they can continue to operate. 
and that those land features work. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Westwood. <sighs> I really do wish we could have gotten frickin' Relert 2 land features working. Tell me that would not, not have been awesome. Maybe that's just me. But in any case, as the, Halo, the Xbox 360 servers are shutting off forever, fans went through and helped a number of other fans get their last achievements that they needed online before the Halo 3 Xbox servers were shut off forever. See, it just, it just goes to show you. That even in a world where everyone on voice chat talks about how they, how much they did my mom and teabag me every single time they cheap shot me in the back of the head, there is still some amazing good in the world. It is wholesome. It, it, it gives me faith in the world. It gives me hope that there is great, that there's, there's good things left in the world. Anyway, let's talk about ripoff games and how there's a whole bunch of ripoff Wordle clones that tried to go ahead and have a metric ton of in-app purchases and ads while the actual Wordle game itself kept trying to be as free to play as possible. First off, can I just say, I am blown away how quickly this Wordle game just exploded. For those who don't know, Wordle is a web game in which you basically play mastermind. You have a five letter word and you have, I want to say six guesses total to guess the word. I think it might only be five now that I think about it. And you just type in a word. Five guesses, my bad. You type in a word, it then tells you how many of those letters are correct and how many of those letters are correct and in the correct spot. And you can only guess actual English words. Someone in chat is, is saying it's a ripoff of lingo. The, the lingo game show from the game show network. This is the first I've ever heard of this. So no, no, I don't know. 
But the thing is that the actual, the actual Wordle game is web-based, completely free, and does not have any ads on it whatsoever. So, I mean, in a world of, oh, hey, look, it's a ripoff of this, that, the other thing. They're not trying to profit off it. So it at least has that going for it. However, there have just been tons upon tons upon tons of literal ripoff clones trying to go ahead and just take advantage of the popularity of this free game. You have ones called like Wordle with an exclamation mark. Others called. Actually, it's just called Wordle. We have Wordle misspelled mobile. With a U. But. Sadly. For all of these people trying to go ahead in. And cash in. All of these cheap Wordle clones that tried to monetize off one dude's success have vanished from the Apple App Store. And the few that do remain, they don't use the Wordle name at all to try and dodge the actual game itself. What surprised me in all this is, you know what the developer's name of Wordle is? Josh Wardle. Well, okay then. Meanwhile, Google is getting in a spat with Apple saying that Apple's iMessage system, which is proprietary, is holding back the world as everyone's trying to move to RCS. I, I mean... They're not wrong, but I don't think they're necessarily right either. The biggest problem is that everyone's now getting used to this proprietary system Apple used. And now as we try to go over to a global standard, which could, you know, be very, very helpful. Everyone's just like, but, but the Apple thing. 
we, we, we want to use the Apple thing. Oddly enough, it's those kind of oddball standards that's leading to a different problem. The fact that the new Intel chips will not be able to use Blu-ray discs because of the DRM play playback ability just refuses to be supported by these newer, more modern chips. Whoops. So yeah, before we go ahead and bash Intel for this one too, uh, first off, be honest, you had no intention of playing Blu-rays on your PC. A few of you probably had intentions on ripping your Blu-rays onto your own Plex server, to which I say props to you, by the way. Props to you. I think that is the best use of Blu-rays yet. Just to go ahead, put on my own media server, and go ahead and, and use it in the modern day. That's just me personally, but I'm also a lunatic trying to justify his reasons for having a personal cloud. Again, it's not Intel's fault. It is, in fact, the fact that SGX, or Software Guard Extension, just refuses to update itself. for this kind of process. I'm willing to bet eventually there will be a workaround. I do think where there's a will, there's a way, but only time will tell. That being said though, uh, speaking of where there's a will, there's a way, ASRock has released an official BIOS for supporting Ryzen 5000 on the X370 motherboards. Backwards compatibilities. Backwards compatibilities. I am speaking incorrectly in all sorts of different flavors. Backwards compatibility lives on. Woohoo! Also in a uh, weird, a very, very weird flex, an Alder Lake Celeron processor. These are the lowest low-end desktop processors that Intel makes. Matches the Core i9-10900K in single core performance. Huh. Will you look at that? Intel actually has been trying to improve. That actually is really interesting, especially considering we have had, what, eight, nine years of Intel processors only getting like 3%, 2%, 4% faster year over year over year. And they just got kind of, eh, AMD's just doing whatever, we don't care. Whee! But now they've caught up. They've done it. But of course, while we look at Alder Lake and its potential, 
AMD Ryzen 7000, of course, is looming. A CPU I am very, very interested in. And a 16-core version of the CPU has shown up in databases. Sixteen cores, thirty-two threads, paired with a RTX twenty eighty, but it is on a virtual PC as it's being tested with thirty-two gigabytes of RAM, or rather thirty point sixty-four, but most likely is thirty-two gigs. Now that's really cool and all. It's a very interesting little listing to show up in the wild. Now have it run Cinebench. I wanna see the performance. I really, really do. I also just have high hopes for Ryzen 7000 just cause it shows a new base layer of backwards compatibility that's gonna be coming in. Like once you, right now Ryzen 5000 is gonna be the limit. Because Ryzen 7000 is not going to be backwards compatible. It just cannot be. So I just want to see what this new generation of Ryzen with a new socket, new everything can do. By the way, NVIDIA has announced Deep Learning Dynamic Super Resolution, which, bless you, and it's going to be coming on January 4th. Actually, I'm take that back. It came out a couple days ago. And it is driver-based deep learning super sampling for all games. This means that it's rendered at a lower resolution and then AI upscaled to a higher resolution with minimal quality lost. Okay. Okay. Getting it out there, get a nice performance boost for just about anyone. We were talking in the main podcast about how phones were getting crazier and crazier expensive-wise, but here's some good news. For those in the Apple ecosystem, the next iPhone SE will apparently bring 5G. The iPhone SE, for those who don't know, is an iPhone that's announced every few years. That's using older specs, but still passable ones using an older body design. But its main selling point is that it's cheap. It is a budget phone. It is the budget Apple option. And this new one will supposedly have 5G in it. If it sticks to the same kind of three, $400 price tag that the other SEs have, I don't think actually any of you have ever gone... I want to say most SEs have been in the $400 price range. I don't think there's been one in the $300 range.
I don't know. It just felt like as soon as I said that, I was wrong. But once again, time will tell. I am very interested to see if... if there's going to be any shortage problems this year when it comes to cell phones. And finally, before we get to our first and only break of this episode, someone has successfully fully printed an OLED display. You thought you could only 3D print things like a plastic object or a fork or a small little toy no we've done it we have 3d printed an oled display the display of course is only 64 pixels and is roughly four centimeters across but we're getting closer we're getting closer and closer to 3d printers just becoming the star trek replicators we all wish they were now 3d print me some cheesecake it's it's not gonna happen is it some iced tea a kitten a picture of a kitten 3d print me an nft all right we've clearly gone o overboard we're gonna take a break here when we come back i want to talk about troy baker and an article that came up during the main podcast from IGN. We will be back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so to get people up to speed, in case you haven't heard from the main podcast, Troy Baker is a voice actor who has partnered up with the organization known as NFT Voice. I actually want to make sure I get this. Uh, I want to make sure I get the actual name of. I'm pretty sure it's NFT Voice. And basically drew a lot of eyebrows. Voice versus NFT. Thank you. I knew, oh wait, it was right here. I'm blind. Anyway, basically the whole thing got kicked off with Troy Baker doing a, sending out a tweet saying, I'm partnering with Voiceverse NFT to explore ways where together we might bring new tools to new creators to make new things and allow everyone a chance to own and invest in the IPs they create. We all have a story to tell, you can hate, or you can create, what will it be? Now, of course, 
things seem kind of question mark because all an NFT is, as I've said time and time and time again, is a serial number and a link. And a link just saying what the serial number is attached to. That's it. That is all an NFT is. There is no magical smoke and mirrors behind the behind a whole NFT that makes it magical. It is just that simple. And the link can be to whatever. A picture, a voice file, an AI program that uses your voice to go ahead and synthesize other words poorly. That's it. Its value is only determined by what you can convince someone else to pay, which of course makes it an ideal place for people to create massive amounts of fraud and of course, money laundering. Because once you have anything in which you can just move around a ton of money using something that's virtually untraceable, of course money laundering follows. It's the easiest option. Especially when the value of said currency fluctuates at random. Now, I went on at great lengths during the main podcast to voice my opinions, which are basically what I just mentioned here, just in longer and more passionate form. However, towards the end of the podcast, someone brought to my attention that an IGN article has given an update to what Troy Baker has said on his podcast. So, I haven't had a chance to go into too much detail on this yet. But we're going to go ahead and look over the article and just kind of break it down a little bit. The feeling I got from Troy Baker at first was that he's a guy who was pitched an idea and based on that pitch alone felt it was good. I have a feeling Troy Baker has been misinformed as to what voice versus intentions actually are because voice verse has been caught in the past using stolen files to sell a product. So they're already a shady company involved with fraud. You know, for good measure. The article first opens up with an editor's note saying that NFTs is currently a very controversial topic and yada, 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 whatever. Please, please, please don't hate on us. We're just IGN lol. But Troy Baker has made an update on his podcast, Play, Watch, Listen, and also talked with IGN directly. On the 90th episode, which is titled Talking to Troy Baker about his NFT tweet, Baker discussed the main reason he decided to partner with Voiceverse was not because of the NFT component, 
but because he thought it would be a way to help independent creators get valuable resources they may not have been able to get otherwise, so says the, the article. I should also state from here on out, I'm gonna be reading the article verbatim and then interjecting as I see fit. The article continues, quote, while I understood that, N that an NFT was a component of this, that's not what I got involved with. Baker said, I don't know how I feel about NFTs. Someone presented a platform to me that said, hey, here's a tool that we're going to be able to bring valuable resources to creators. Independent creators who want to work with animation and video games and other applications. And I was like, bleep, yeah, I want to be a part of that because that's the problem. Let me interject. If that is exactly what they said and they didn't describe the tools at all, that should have been a massive red flag. I can't tell you how many emails I get in regards to this podcast or actually a lot of them, a lot of the really sketchy sales emails I get are for the early bird briefing trying to say that, hey, we got the tools to help your podcast grow. And every time I inquire, what are these tools? And they just go on onto some other tangent about how our growth tools can help expose more listeners to your podcast. What are they? This to me is always a massive red flag. If you refuse to explain how your tools operate, you instantly lose my trust. But again, I am more, I'll say attuned to spotting these sort of things because well, ever since my personal phone number ended up on a list because it was associated with a business and I get tons upon tons of scam calls, you kind of develop a nose for this sort of things. The article continues. After saying that his choice to accompany his tweet with an image of himself is reminiscent of other NFT artwork on the internet was, quote, the stupidest thing I could have done. He further elaborated why he believed in his proposal. Let me interject. I, I will say the, um, the kind of clip art drawn portrait of himself to accompany it did not help the perception that he was, as I assumed, misinformed in what he was getting involved with. Again, I want to be clear, and I I feel like I've said it enough, but I always feel like I need to explain it more because, man, every single time I see other outlets say it once, 
and then never say it again. The comments just fill with, why didn't you say this one thing that you said once? Yeah. I do not believe Troy Baker is a true NFT believer. I do believe he is honest in what he's saying. He did believe that this was a tool that could help smaller creators and he wanted to be a part of that. I believe he was misled. Or maybe Voice Verse really does have some amazing tools and they just haven't gotten around to showing how they could work yet. But I kind of doubt that last one, seeing as how they've been already caught stealing voice files without permission. Which I guess goes without saying since I use the word steal. The article continues. The intention I had behind this was like, hey, if some independent game maker wants to have me in their game and they can't afford me and they can do that now, great, Baker said. And he can own the rights to, to this and own that in perpetuity. That's the problem, right? Artists not being, being supported for their art. That's what I want to do. And that was like, this is great. I, I Let me interject here for a moment. Someone in the chat actually did point out the most important thing in all of this. And I think that is a very important element. I said during the main podcast... The hardest thing to admit is that you're wrong. And that is also why I believe the NFT community is in as such denial as they can. That they're willing to lie to themselves because they want to justify their $2,000 purchase of a monkey. And not even a real monkey a picture of a badly drawn monkey. Well, actually, it's a well-drawn monkey. It's just that the art style is garbage. And then to make matters worse, it then uses AI properties to just swap out elements and make it look even worse. None of them want to admit that they're wrong. So they look for more people that were suckered into the same sort of thing. Dude, don't you love owning an NFT? Yeah, I love owning this NFT. It's great. In the end, they're just lying to themselves. Because no one wants to admit they were wrong. The article then continues. I don't think people are being vitriolic for no reason, Baker said. I think that there is a lot this, the, <laughs> let me try reading that line again. I think that there is a lot of this that has tremendous merit. So I've reached out to the company. I'm asking this. We're continuing the conversation. I don't know what's going to happen. And I told them that very specifically, 
But what I do want to make sure that I'm doing that, the intention that I had is preserved, which is to help independent creators that is still there. Let me interject. I have no idea whether this is just Baker's uh, speech patterns. That sounds way more, more natural coming from his mouth. Or if it's the editor who got, who did a whole bunch of uh, very weird transcribing, but holy cow, I am having a hard time reading this and then saying that out loud. It's nothing against, against them. This is just my own excuse for why I'm stumbling over myself. That and also I've been talking for, you know, two plus hours straight. Someone in chat says it feels like the editor just quote him. Uh, I think it is more me than, than it is. It feels like the editor just quoted him per verbatim. I believe that as well. And yeah, this sort of thing does sound very natural when it's just coming straight from the brain to the mouth, but it goes from word to eyes to brain to mouth. A lot of that naturalness is just lost. But again, that's just a me problem. The article then continues. I want to be able to do that. If this is an avenue for me to do that, great. If it's not, I want to find it. I want to find that avenue. Because I still, I do still believe in that. And if the only reason why I don't do something to help someone out is because it may hurt me, that's a effed up reason to not do the right thing. So if that means you can help someone, but that means that you're not going to get something out of it, that's pretty bleepy of me. So if I lose out of a job by giving someone else one, how does that make me a bleep hole? Let me interject. I get his reasoning. And I get that. He believes he's helping. I still cannot help but think. That this is in the end going to be used to scam, to take advantage, to prey on others. And the main reason being is once again, this kind of NFT component in it. It is the fact that this company already has a history of stealing. I do look forward to see how this story develops. In fact, even from the story itself, it doesn't really sound like what he's being pitched really has any kind of real NFT component to it. It sounds to me what he's being pitched 
are tools to go ahead and hook up independent developers with voice talent. A component of which would not necessarily need NFTs. And this has always been one of the biggest problems I've had with NFTs. No one has given a real, true, compelling reason as to why the NFT component is necessary. Now, you could try and say like, oh, hey, the NFT component here is needed to make sure that the game developer has the rights to this sort of thing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, except that an NFT is not recognized in a court of law yet. NFTs, much like the certificate that says you own a piece of the moon that's still on the moon, is just that. It's a piece of paper that says that. It's, there's no legal backing to it whatsoever. It's the same thing with an NFT. It is good, however, that Baker is definitely keeping an open mind. Because the last thing you want to do when you're in talks with a company like this that's breaking new ground and that sort of thing is that you don't want to end up becoming a blind a blind believer in the same concept and never questioning anything. Because otherwise, this voice-verse company is just going to take Baker along for the ride. And the whole time, he's just going to keep the blinders on while the entire company runs itself into the ground and then makes out the back of the van with its sack of cash. So do I blame Baker for this in case it's not obvious? No, I do not blame Mr. Baker for getting involved with the company. In fact, I would say right now, it's definitely possible that if my assumptions, and I do want to stress my assumptions of the voice first company are confirmed correct, it does sound like Baker will do the smart thing and abandon ship. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this company that previously was involved with intellectual property fraud and theft may in fact be for the better good for a whole bunch of developers. Maybe they have turned a new leaf and went to, to Mr. Baker here to go ahead and push it forward. But again, be cautious, be aware of what is going on. All right. Have I talked enough about NFTs? You can find this article at uh, IGN, by the way. It is just called Troy Baker. It is, it is, quote, Troy Baker's response to NFT criticism. 
Might actually just be better just to go find the actual podcast itself and just listen straight from that. Might be the better way to go. It is specifically uh, it is specifically play, watch, listen, and it's their 90th episode. God, they're on their 90th episode. We're, we're here on Eagle Eyes on Tech on our... What? 302nd? Holy cow, I've been doing this a long time. That's nuts to me. With that said, though, we're going to get to the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. We unfortunately ran out of time on the main podcast to get into too much detail on this, and I just kind of gave a very meme no context, pig heart transplanted to human. Well, it's true. A pig heart has successfully been transplanted into a human. So there has to be an asterisk. What is the asterisk? Because you normally can't just rip out a pig heart and shove it in your chest and all and all of a sudden your heart attack's cured. That's not how this works. This isn't the Legend of Zelda. Well, for starters, obviously the pig was genetically modified. So there was, of course, that part of it. Zona chat asks, haven't they been using pig parts in, in heart transplants for decades? This is the whole heart. This is the entire freaking heart. Has been grown in a genetically modified pig. Specifically for these kinds of organ transplants. And hey, afterwards you get some bacon. <laughs> Oh man. Would you want genetically altered bacon? <laughs> oh man. This is such a bizarre story. I mean, granted, it is incredible. It is absolutely a marvel of medical advancements. One, one of always the biggest hurdles when it comes to modern medicine is, well, I guess first off, the biggest hurdle is actually identifying the problem. It is actually kind of stunning how many medical problems we could actually avoid if we could correctly identify the problem in the first place but you know that's when the, the other thing is also just finding a source of transplant organs now of course the patient did need to have a special cocktail almost of different immunosuppressing drugs in order for the body not reject the horror that was being inflicted upon it by having the failing heart replaced by a pig's heart. But as of the time of talking about this particular article, I'm going to avoid scrolling up too far in case people get too queasy. 
um, that are watching this live anyway. At the time, the patient's alive. At this time, it looks like the patient will, in fact, live on. Of course, right now, this method is not going to be introduced into a hospital near you. But of course, the real question has to come. How long until I can get a bear part implanted into me? How long until I can complete the destined transformation and become the mythical man bear pig? Folks, that is going to do it for this bonus episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And we have a lot of people here right now watching live who aren't aware, but uh, this episode is normally available for... This This episode is normally a bonus subscriber episode where you can subscribe at anchor.fm slash Eagle Eyes on Tech. One dollar a month and you get all bonus content like this, roughly about an hour long, to accompany every episode. Check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon, and anchor.fm slash briefing for our daily shorts. Take care, and I hope you have a great day.